Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Why would God even begin to do this in my life, knowing all that I am and all that I've done? and all the times that I've failed Him, and all the promises that I've made Him, because He is God, and because He knows the beginning and the end, because He understands our frame. And even while we are still His enemies, while we are still outside of the knowledge of that love, He sent Christ for us. He demonstrated His love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul's letter to the Romans tells us that there is no longer any condemnation to those who are in Christ. As great as this news is, we as Christians can still struggle with condemnation from time to time. In today's edition of The Open Word, Pastor David reminds us of the amazing love and faithfulness of our Almighty God. Reflecting on the sacrifice of Christ, we are reminded of the unshakable love that God has for each and every one of us. No matter your past, present, or future, you can take heart in knowing that God preserves His own. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, He Has Regarded Us. Guys, I believe that Mary had such a vast understanding of God, of who He was and how great His strength was, how powerful His hand was. But you know what? I, Mary did not have any clue as to how far the sun was from the earth. But she knew that her God was greater. Mary didn't know the distance of the galaxies from one to the other, but I believe that in Mary's heart, she was assured that the power and the might of her God extended beyond them all. And although Mary didn't understand the the expanse and the, the vastness of our universe, she knew that the God that spoke them all into place still cared for her in the midst of the great expanse of all that God is, He cares about you also. He knows your name. He knows your frame. He knows everything about you. And for some of us, we can say, and He loves me anyway. And He loves me anyway. In the midst of all of these things. Even Elizabeth, Did you catch the words of Elizabeth a little bit earlier? Elizabeth, back in verse 43, she says, but why is this granted to me? You see, she had this understanding of humility within her own life and the greatness and the majesty of God, that God in His majesty, God in His immensity, that He would care about her. 
Elizabeth realized as great as God was, God in his infinite wisdom, his grace, and his mercy, he granted or he allowed her to be the one who would carry the forerunner, the spokesman for the Messiah, and that here and now the mother of Messiah was honoring her by coming and visiting her at this point in time. So let me ask you this question this morning. Even after all that we spoke this morning, that's, that's all head knowledge. Let me ask you this morning, heart knowledge for you. How big is your God? How big is your God, the one that you believe is real and true? How vast is he in, in, in the greatest of all of your imaginations? How vast and large and mighty and powerful is he? I could ask you this morning, think with me for a moment of eternity past. Go with me to eternity past. No, you've got to go further than that. No, you've got to go further than that. No, no, you've got to even go further. As a matter of fact, you and I in our limited mortality and our limited brain capacity we can't even imagine eternity because it's greater than that even if we were stretched beyond anything that we could even no it's greater than that of all the times that i've read these verses in my life as a believer and all the times that i've been in bible studies and even all the times that I've, I've preached these verses as a pastor or as a Bible study teacher, this time as, as I've read this and as I've studied this, it's probably impressed me more than any other thing, this twofold connection between the immensity of God and yet his attention to the smallest details of each one of our lives. And guys, that just kind of blows me away. And it, it's impacting me even as we're studying and reading the book of Revelation. Again, just the greatness of God, the majesty of, of heaven, the, the glory, the splendor that's there. And we're going to be able to experience that. The greatness and the majesty and the might and the power. And I run out of adjectives to be able to describe who God is. And yet in all of that, he cares for you. He cares for that event that happened to you just this past week. He cares for, about those words that were spoken to you or perhaps even by you this week. He cares about the heartbreak that you have. He cares about the worries and the concerns that you have. And he cares enough about your mortal soul that he sent his son out of the greatness and the grandeur and the majesty of all of heaven to this little corn kernel size of a planet, to this little city in this little country, to this little young maid to be born in order that he might live and grow to die for your sin and for mine, for the sin of the world for whoever would call upon its name. The same God that spoke the planets and the solar systems and the stars and the galaxies and the universe into existence, that's the same God that formed the complexity of the DNA that's within each one of us. 
And you may have an identical twin. I don't know. I, I know that it, they say in life, all, all of us have a twin someplace, somebody that looks like us. Uh, we'll be under that one. But anyway, our DNA is totally different. Your children's DNA is different than yours. As a matter of fact, do me, do me a favor this morning. Do this little exercise with me. Don't worry about embarrassing yourself. This is just between you and me, okay? Hold your hand up like this with your fingers outspread, okay? Just Now, turn it around and take a look at those fingerprints. You realize that not a one of those is alike. Not a one. If you held the other hand up, not a one of these is like any of these. As a matter of fact, none of your fingerprints are like any of yours. Your fingerprints are separate and different than anybody else's in this room. Okay, then in this state. Okay, then in this nation. Okay, then in this world. Your fingerprints are unique unto you. Not only of this world, but of those that have lived before you and those that will live after you. That's the uniqueness of your fingerprints. But you want to know something even cooler? Your eye. Right now in all the security things, it's not your fingerprints they're worried about. They want you to look into a thing. And, and they, they, they look at the, the retina of your eye and they say, no, your eye, there, there's even greater distinctions and differences in your eye than anyone else who has ever lived, or who ever will live. Now, we didn't evolve out of the goo. It was an intelligent design. Our God designed us and purposed us, and he purposed us unique unto himself. In order that we wouldn't get lost in the crowd, he knows us. I was speaking to someone earlier this morning because I'm going to be taking my grandson into New York City near the, the end of this month. And I told Todd that I'm going to, I'm, uh, the poor kid's hand is going to be squished by the time we're finished walking around in New York City because I don't want to lose him. And uh, he says, hey, you can get those little trackers and you can put it in his pocket and on your cell phone. You can find out where he's at within something like 10 feet of him. And I, thought, I'm, I may have to buy one of those just for this trip. Why? Because I might lose him in a crowd. But you know what? God will never, God will never ever lose you and I in a crowd. He knows us. He's concerned about us. He sent Christ to die for us. The splendor, and the majesty, and the greatness, and the might, and the power of all that God is. And yet he will not lose you. In fact, he sent Christ to die for you. And he's intimately aware of the situations of your life. And he desires to walk with you in the midst of those things. We can see that he called Elizabeth to carry John the Baptist. The relationship of Zacharias and Elizabeth. We can see that God called Mary to carry the Messiah, to be the mother of Jesus. And in that same way, he cares and he knows about you. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, you don't need to turn there, but you can write it down for later. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, he says these words, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, and cast all of your cares upon him, 
for he cares for you. That mighty hand of God that cares for you. We can't really comprehend it. We can't really fully understand both the mighty hand of God, the might and the majesty and the power of God, and the fact that he cares for us. That's one of the biggest struggles I think that we have even as believers. And that's one of the reasons why even as believers we stress and we strain and we worry and we fret. Because in our mind we don't have a great enough picture of the greatness and the majesty of God mixed with the understanding of the greatness of his passion and care and concern for each one of us. Mary says, he's regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And then at the same time, she declares, he's shown strength in his arms. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones. On Wednesday nights, we're studying in the book of Revelation. In in chapter 5, we talked about the overwhelming time of worship that's there. One of the best ways to allow yourself to be overwhelmed with worship is to be fully overwhelmed by the greatness and the majesty and the might of who God is. And that we can come before him and praise and worship. These two women, as they met there, as Mary entered that house, that overwhelmingness of God filled their lives. They recognized and they acknowledged the greatness of God in their lives and in the humility of their own lives. They both says, why would he do this in my life? That's probably the same question that you're probably wondering this morning. Why would God even begin to do this in my life, knowing all that I am and all that I've done and all the times that I've failed him and all the promises that I've made him? Because he is God and because he knows the beginning and the end because he understands our frame. And even while we are still his enemies, while we are still outside of the knowledge of that love, he sent Christ for us. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, after a time, Mary had to go back home. Verse 56, it says, Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and returned to her house. Most folks believe that it was this time that the angel visited Joseph. Because you see, when Mary left, there was no sign, no no knowledge of any pregnancy for Mary. But Mary's been gone now for three months. And after about three months, she probably begins showing that there's something going on with her. And that's the time that Joseph suddenly realizes, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. There's something different here. And he gets ready, because he was a just man, to go ahead and release her from their engagement, to release her privately so that she wouldn't be stoned as an adulteress. But remember, that's when the angel came and said, no, Joseph, no, what's going on in Mary is, is the thing of God. God has done this. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Luke doesn't get into any of this at all, but he does go back and speaks of the birth of John the Baptist. Bear with me if you would as we kind of blow through the the rest of this just for the time factor. But understand, too, the greatness of what God continues to do. Verse 57, 
Now Elizabeth full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. And so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there, there, there's no one among your relatives who's called by that name. And so they made signs to his father. Remember, he's still mute. Now, the funny thing is, you, you know how that is. If somebody can't speak, you figure they're deaf also. So they're making signs. I believe that he could hear, okay? But they're making signs to him. And, and Zacharias, though he couldn't speak, he, he, he asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote saying, his name is John. Not will be John. No, his name is John. That was determined even before he was conceived. His name is John. And so they all marveled. And then it says, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose and he spoke praising God. And it says in verse 65, then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all of these things were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of a child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. God moved and worked. And now we're going to see the Holy Spirit again moving and working now in Zacharias's life. Look at what it says in verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, and I believe that what's taken place here is as soon as he spoke this, or as soon as he said, no, his name is John, his tongue was loosed, and he spoke praising God, that immediately he goes to verse again, 67, filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying, saying, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. In other words, he's saying Messiah is coming and God is fulfilling his promise to his people. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Again, Zacharias declaring and proclaiming words that are found in the Old Testament, just pulling those things, adding them into his own praise and worship as he's filled with the Spirit and also speaks out in prophecy. Listen to what he says now as, again, I believe his eyes went from the heavens declaring the praise and the majesty of God to now looking at this young baby. And he says, and you child, you child shall be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
just as the Holy Spirit filled Mary, just as he had filled Elizabeth, he now fills Zacharias. And in Zacharias, as he's praising these things, you need to understand, I don't believe that this was the only time that he was going to speak these words to young John. Oh, you child, you're going to be called a prophet of the highest. You're going to go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. You're going to give the knowledge of salvation and on and on. I don't believe that that's the only time that he spoke that. I believe that as John grew, probably Zacharias would come up to him and says, Oh, son, you are going to be the one who is called the prophet of the highest. You, son, as he grows, and you, son, and maybe as, as he's looking up to his son, you, son, you are the prophet of the highest. I believe that he spoke blessing into John's life probably every day of his life just because of the might and the power of all that had taken place. And that brings me to your responsibility and for my responsibility to speak blessing into the lives of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. How do you think John felt as he understood, man, God has plans for me. God has a purpose in my life. I'm going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. As again, his dad would continually remind him of these things. Well, how much of a difference do you think it's going to make in your children and in your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren's lives if on a continual basis you would come to them and speak, God has great plans and purposes for you that you are not a mistake, you're not an accident, you're not just something that came about. No, God purposefully brought life to you and brought you into life. And he has a plan and he has a purpose and we're praying with you to see what God's plan and purpose is in your life. Do you think that that would make much of a difference in that child's life if on a continual basis you as a parent, you as a grandparent or a great-grandparent would speak those things to those children? I guarantee you it would. I believe that it would encourage those children. I believe that it would be a continual blessing to those children. But you know what? It doesn't have to be just your own blessing. Blood. We see children in this Sunday school, in this nursery, in our youth department, that you as adults, you and I as adults, we need to be blessing on a continual basis. We need to be encouraging them and again speaking into their lives the greatness and the majesty and the might of Almighty God who threw the stars into place, who knows the name of all the constellations. He's made the universe and he cares about you and he has a plan and a purpose for you in your life. Beloved, that's what we're to be doing. The word says here as it closes out chapter one that so the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. What a mighty and powerful thing it is to see that God breaks through eternity all the way through, all the way through all the galaxies, all the way through all the solar systems, all the way through all of the planets, all the way through our planet, and he touches your heart and your life. Why? Because of the greatness of his love towards you. Beloved, more than anything else, I want you to get out of this this morning. How great is your God, and how tender are his mercies toward you. Open our hearts.
for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word. from we-